Alrighty, hello again, everyone, and welcome to it. Friday, glorious Friday, April 7th, 2023. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast. Appreciate you listening, downloading, sharing, telling a friend. Put it on social media. Tell everybody to listen, because why not? I mean, what what are they doing that's so great? I guarantee you it sucks, and they're not having the kind of fun and getting the kind of information and analysis you're getting here, ladies and gentlemen. Damn it, damn it, damn it. Dagnabbit, now you made me cartoon swear. Anyway, happy Friday. Man, I hope you got something planned. It is Good Friday, so happy Good Friday to you. Really great Friday, and I hope you have awesome Easter plans. I appreciate you listening. And I appreciate even more, even though it's a holy weekend, there will be a week in effing review at patreon.com slash Podcast or derekhunter.locals.com because that's the deal. That's the pledge. You can also enter to win an autographed book either by Governor Mike Huckabee or Governor Brad Thor. He's not a governor, but he probably should run for governor at some point. Uh, Brad Thor. Both autographed. You can check that out at patreon.com slash Podcast or derekhunter.locals.com. The winner will be announced on Monday's show. Every week we give away something autographed, booked by famous people. Really cool. It's well worth the price of admission. Five uh, bones a fin per month is all we ask to show a little love for the show. Appreciate it. All right. Now, enough rambling. Let us get started. There's a bunch of things to talk about today. And, uh, God, the media is so pathetic. And the, the, the news of the day is so pathetic. I want to start off with uh, Stormy Daniels and Donald Trump. And you sit there and you go, enough already. You might be thinking, enough already. We know everything. What's funny is it's Piers Morgan, it's Fox News. Oh, I know. Some people subscribe to uh, Fox Nation. I don't know why, but, you know, I need more of this. Whatever, I need more. <laughs> I need religious documentaries from people divorced a baker's dozen times. You gotta love it. But, um... Piers Morgan sat down with Stormy Daniels. Now, this is being hyped on social media as if it's something new. Stormy Daniels has been talking the whole time. This whole thing exists because Stormy Daniels talks. She signs a non-disclosure agreement, hammers the check, starts blathering on, violates the non-disclosure agreement. She's lost. You know, Trump responds makes fun of her, attacks her. She goes, how dare you sully my reputation? I'm like, I'm pretty sure a simple Google search with safe search off will explain how your relationship cannot be sullied any more than... uh, Trying to think of a way to put this in a family-friendly way. When you spill something on carpet, you want to wipe it up as quickly as possible before it sinks in, you know? And then there are certain videos where other things are spilled where they don't get around. Like, a lot of stuff sunk in. There. I'll just leave it at that. I don't know. I don't know. But it, it sully her reputation. Pull up her IMDB page and just read some of the uh, the titles of the films 
in which she has starred. But anyway, she sued for defamation. How dare Donald Trump call me a lying piece of trash? Like, well, what do you what do you do for a living again? Needless to say, Donald Trump won. She was ordered to pay about a half million dollars to Donald Trump over that one and all his legal fees. And then she lost again on the day that he was arraigned in New York. Another legal fee round ordered to pay another $122,000 by federal court. She's going to she's gonna be sore by the time she pays back. She's never going to pay back this money because what? Her only marketable skill is something that's already out there it's everywhere and you go well given the choice do you want to watch stormy daniels if you have to watch one you want to watch stormy daniels marketable skills when she's 20 or when she's like 45 or whatever she is 50 i don't know how old she is but whatever it is do you want to watch it then I'm pretty sure that that first box is going to get clicked an awful lot more frequently. I don't think that, I don't know how it works in uh, the adult industry, but I don't think you get a lot of residuals. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of residual things, and no amount of silkwood showering is going to clean it off, but there are other things as far as residual checks for your uh, your work as an actor in legitimate movies that uh, you can live off of. Did you know, I, I didn't know this until recently, I was listening to the Victory podcast about the from the Entourage guys. The residual checks, if you got paid a million dollars per episode, say like Friends did, you get a million dollars per episode, the first time that it reruns in syndication, you get 90% of your pay. So you get 900,000 bucks per episode for the episode you were paid a million dollars for. And then it goes down from there. And I imagine, you know, after the 15th time that it's being repaid, you get less money. But you get a nice chunk of change from residuals. That's not the kind of residuals that exist in the uh, adult film industry. The residuals that exist in the adult film industry are ones that, you know, pop up occasionally, randomly. And you have to wait to clear up before you can work again in the adult film industry. They're the kind of residuals that you get tested for on a biweekly basis or whatever. It's totally different than, than say, Friends or Seinfeld. <laughs> am I being gross enough? I think I, I am. I imply, am I hitting the implications hammer or nail right on the head? I think I am. But anyway, Stormy Daniels has given a bunch of interviews. She's talked, she's sat down with Anderson Cooper. I'm not sure what new developments there are in the Stormy Daniels case, but because it's, you know, in the news, in the moment, she gets more attention. And Piers Morgan, who's white Oprah, comes swooping in and sits down with Stormy Daniels to recover the ground. Now, I want to play you a clip from Stormy Daniels where she gives her legal opinion. Now, I don't know. I find Piers Morgan to be interesting most of the time because he is one of the few people who is willing to be confrontational. Not, not a jerk, not a jackass, not a... Not somebody who, you know, if Rachel Maddow interviewed, she never would, but interviewed a Republican, she would just talk over them and turn their microphones down and what have you. But I, I found him to be um, 
a relatively good interviewer for everybody, of everybody, I should say, that he asks some serious questions and he gets in there and he doesn't let BS slide. But in this clip, at least, he seems to, he lets BS slide. He lets BS slide. I'll tell you what it is and maybe you can spot it. Maybe you can recognize it. But it is, it's really embarrassing, in my opinion. Here is uh, Stormy Daniels giving her legal opinions. Have you any kind of closure with your time involving Donald Trump to see him um, jailed? Specific to my case, I don't think that his crimes against me are worthy of incarceration. I feel like the other things that he has done, if he is found guilty, absolutely. Because a bigger problem is that if these allegations against him or whatever else that we don't know yet, he is found guilty or the evidence suggests that he is or whatever, and he doesn't, that it's going to just basically, I mean, it opens the door for other people to, to think they can get away with doing that and, and worse. Get away with doing what? what? Having sex with you? There's probably 3,000 people who've done that. Get away with that and worse. Get away with what and worse? Trust you? (laughs) Never sign an agreement with a porn star that is predicated upon them keeping their mouth shut. That's one third of their business model. It's impossible. But my favorite part was when she said that she doesn't think that his crimes against her deserve incarceration. Now, right there is when Piers Morgan, or immediately after, Piers Morgan should have said, I'm sorry, but what what crime was committed against you? What, what crime was committed against you? There was no crime alleged. She's not alleging that... He sexually assaulted or raped her. She said it was a willing thing. If it happened, she was game. I mean, it's what she does. It's probably her biggest payday unless she toured the the palaces of the Middle East and took money over there too, which is entirely possible. It's also a business model in the adult industry. I mean, hell, what's the difference between prostitution and adult film stars? The, the size of the camera crew. But you uh, you can't let that slide. His crimes, she doesn't think his crimes against her deserve incarceration. What crimes? I can think of none. Calling you horse face while stupid and immature and counterproductive in many ways is not a crime and isn't all that far from accurate, to be honest with you. So what crimes? Piers Morgan doesn't seem to have said, wait a second, what crimes were committed against you? If anybody, the victim in this instance, the victim in all of this event, if there is one, would be Melania. That would be it. The person who's embarrassed by what's going on. The person She didn't show up to the uh, big speech the other day in Mar-a-Lago. I remember thinking that. I was making dinner at the time and watching... And I saw uh, saw Mike Lindell sitting there, and I saw Carrie Lake standing there, and I saw Marjorie Taylor Greene standing there. And then in comes the the Trump family, one after the other, and they're kind of greeting everybody. And I said, wait, did I miss it? Is Melania there? And Melania apparently wasn't there. Can't blame her. I wouldn't want to be around that either. Even if she believes that this uh, encounter didn't happen, do you really want to sit there and hear about it? 
be at events evol- involving it? No, you, you don't. You just don't. So, bit of uh, interesting verbiage there by Stormy Daniels. And she's not the victim, she's the perp. She's the one who did this. If there's anything that, oh, he's going to do his crimes against me. If there is any crime, it's not even a crime, but there was a non-disclosure agreement. She agreed to accept money, $130,000, to never talk about her allegations again, to never talk about her allegations again, and she can't stop talking about her allegations. She weighed it and said, well, which one is worth more? This $130,000 that I'll have to give back if I talk, or the uh, X amount of dollars I can make from people who want to pay me 20 bucks for an 8x10 glossy of me nude, autographed, that they'll never be able to display anywhere. And if they do, I've said it before, you walk in anybody's house and there's a nude photograph of any adult film star on display. Get away from there as quickly as possible. Well, she decided that the tour of strip clubs in the Midwest was more lucrative than the $130,000 that she got from Trump. Little did she understand because she was represented by such uh, the legal luminary Michael Avenatti, who stole all her money, stole her book money, everything. He's in jail for that. Um, She wasn't just on the hook for returning the $130,000 when she started talking about it. When she sued Trump for defamation, she then, I mean, a good lawyer would have said, what are you doing? You're a porn star. The only way to defame you is to say, you know what? She's not stupid. How dare you? I've got a reputation to protect uh, but um, <laughs> so mean to porn stars. But I mean, come on. They always say, oh, she's, they're super smart. This guy is really bright. You watch any of these documentaries, and like, they're super smart. Oh, no, they're, they're not. They're not. It doesn't matter if they can do math in their head. It doesn't matter if they can recite historical things that they've memorized. Smart people don't make those types of decisions. Okay, smart people don't. So anyway, a lot of them are just dumb anyway. I just, I love it. Okay, not only, no lawyer said, Michael Avenatti, again, if you're seeking your legal advice, you're probably better off actually taking it from Stormy than from Avenatti. But apparently nobody told her that if you lose this defamation suit, which you probably will because you are a porn star, how do you defame somebody whose career is on film sort of defaming themselves? Uh, you're going to have to pay his legal fees on top of it, right? He will He will do that. He will punish you. He will go after that money. And you still go, well, I'm willing to take that risk. And you sit there and you go, okay, well, you, you, really, you really are stupid. <laughs> no offense, Stormy, but you're dumb. So, yeah, if you uh, subscribe to Fox Nation, though, this is the kind of quality programming that you are getting. This is the kind of thing where you sit there and you go, why is this news? It's not news. It's sensationalism. It's clickbaitism. It is attention whoring. Not on behalf, well, also on behalf of Stormy, but on behalf of peers. If you're not going to ask questions that aren't, that are obvious, that haven't been asked before, new context to old information doesn't really matter all that much. So, yeah, 
I mean, I don't have, I don't subscribe to that website even when they offer it for free. So I don't want to give them my contact number. And they always do the auto renew. Ugh. I did, here, I did myself a favor. There's a way on your iPhone to go through and check all of your automatic renew subscription things. And I'd subscribe to some things that were apps on the iPad that the kids don't use anymore. Go through and, and unsubscribe to those things. You'll save yourself a ton of money. Anyway, enough about Stormy. Legal legal advice from a porn star. Good God. So now that we've got the legal mind of Stormy Daniels picked. Good Lord. <laughs> We now go to the media covering the um, the indictment in New York. Now, they, I played you some of the uh, legal experts, the analysts, Trump-hating analysts on Trump-hating networks, talking about this yesterday. Going, this is the weakest case of ever. This is this is the case. I expected more. I expected. I hoped for more. I dreamed of more. I dreamed of Jeannie, and Jeannie brought more. They really wanted something to sink their teeth into. They, Democrats really wanted a aha moment. Look at this. Look, here's where the bodies are buried, or this is even way more serious than we thought. And instead, they keep getting the, we don't have enough to proceed, and then the one guy who goes, well, I'm 10 feet tall and bulletproof. I'm a Democrat in Manhattan, so I don't really care. I'll go. I'll go ahead and uh, strap the bomb to myself and blow myself up just so you can say that uh, that Donald Trump was indicted. And you get the indictment and you go, this is it? There's one alleged incident that they cut up into 34 different things that he did. It's like owing somebody $34. It's like your weed guy. Let's just say you owe your weed guy $34. I don't even know. tells you how long ago it had been since I bought weed. But your weed guy, you owe him $34 for a bag. I don't. I doubt you can probably even get a joint for $34 now. But instead, and this would be, of course, back when it was illegal. Uh, instead of giving him 34 bucks, or <laughs> for these purposes, you have the most trusting weed guy in the world who takes a personal check. <laughs> who doesn't want a paper trail in their illegal narcotics transaction? So you, uh, instead of writing a $34 check to made out to weed guy, you, uh, well, all right, we'll say you made it out to cash. Instead of making a $34 check out to cash, which I assume would only be taken if you were literally standing outside your bank and the guy could go in and, and cash it right then while... You had to wait nearby, which would then wonder why you didn't go in and just draw money from your ATM, but whatever. Instead of writing a $34 check for illegal marijuana, you wrote 34 individual $1 checks. Now, when the DA and the SWAT team come swooping in to bust you at that uh, for that transaction, because the transaction itself would be illegal, Instead of them going, we've got you. You're, you have one charge of paying $34 for marijuana. He said, you know what? Since you wrote 34 different checks, I'm going to charge you with 34 different tempting to buy marijuana charges. 
It's one transaction, one thing. You can't charge me 34 times. Well, that's what essentially what they did with Trump. Now, he didn't write 34 different checks for $130,000 to Michael Cohen. He wrote a couple of different checks to Michael Cohen, like 30000 here, 20000 there. He was doing it in increments for whatever reason. He didn't want to draw obvious attention to it, or he just was cash poor at that particular moment. Whatever the reason is, it doesn't matter. The underlying where is in my hypothetical where you're buying the weed is illegal, or at least was. Um, the paying of somebody for a non-disclosure agreement is not illegal. In fact, the only person who really did anything illegal in this transaction before the new Manhattan DA got involved was at least, from my understanding, my best guess, my estimation from news reports, was that it was Ms. Daniels saying, I want money to keep my mouth shut, which, again, you should never trust a porn star to do because it is one-third of their business plan. She wants That's extortion. Asking for money for some, it's, I guess it's not illegal, but threatening somebody, give me money or else, I don't know what she did, is extortion. Extortion is illegal. Paying extortion is not illegal. See, it's a very, very fine line. Um, being, beating somebody up is illegal. Being beaten up is not illegal. <laughs> it's a basic, rudimentary way to explain it, but it explains it pretty well. But Trump wrote, you know, here's $20,000 here. Maybe he was doing it on the installment plan. Even rich people don't have giant piles of cash sitting around. They've got to instruct their accountants to move some money. I imagine Michael Cohen was much more pressed for cash than Trump ever was. So he said, all right, well, here's 30, I can give you $30,000 today. Will that help you? Hey, yeah, that'll help me. I'll give you another 20 on Friday and then we'll give you another whatever, blah, blah, blah. The charges against Trump were the each individual payment and then each individual entry into the accounting books, each, every little step of it. There are probably five steps in these sorts of things. Each one of them was a charge, all related to one thing. That's how you get to 34 felony counts, but that doesn't matter. You hear that somebody has been charged with 34 felonies, that's all you hear. If you're a hack reporter who doesn't want to explain these things, or you're too dumb to understand what the the difference is, you simply regurgitate what you've got there. There's 34 different felonies, 34 different felonies. My God, I thought he just did one thing, but if it, I thought it was just Stormy Daniels, but now there are 34 different felonies. That's why you ended up with 34 different charges. There is only one event cut up. Like I say, you take a Costco hot dog, you cut it into 34 different pieces. It's still 2.3% rodent excrement. Doesn't change. Doesn't change anything. Well, knowing this, the first day of coverage, 
the media did have on experts where they were saying this is, uh, this is terrible. These this charges are weak. These charges, these charges should not be. I was hoping there'd be more. John Bolton, the mustache, sitting there going, "This is this is the best you got." This is case, you know, I don't like Trump, but this case is ridiculous. Ellie Honig on uh, CNN. There's nothing here. I don't see how this case goes forward. Well, it goes forward because it's Manhattan. It's a Democrat DA. It's a Democrat judge. What's going to happen to them? <laughs> you know what? What? Is, what are the? What are the repercussions and ramifications? Is the DA going to be hauled up to Albany and or disbarred? How dare you, Sully? The no, the, the, they don't care. Like, all right, he's going to get high fives. You did it, man. You the first guy to charge Trump. It's not charging. See. They don't view Trump as a former president. They view Trump as somebody who never should have been president. Oh, they admit that he won the Electoral College, but they now hate the Electoral College. They believe he never should have been president, not because they believe the Russian collusion hoax. They don't. They know that they made that up. They know that Hillary Clinton's campaign made that up, and they willfully participated in it. They don't believe Donald Trump should have been president because he's not the right type of person. He's not the right type of person. He isn't a member of the club. That's why. So they go along with anything. All they sit there and clutch their pearls. Donald Trump is upsetting all the norms we have in political society. Yeah, he does. And sometimes you sit there and you go, I wouldn't have done that or I wouldn't have said it that way. But Donald Trump is upsetting the norms of polite political society in a way that somebody kind of busts in and doesn't stick their pinky out far enough while they sip the tea or mentions that somebody who's fat is fat. You don't say that. They're rotund. People are beautiful at any size. Those are the sorts of things that Donald Trump, those are the norms that he's upsetting. Now, granted, some of it is a bit much. But what he's not trying to do is imprison his political opponents. Never once in the Trump years. And if you you really want to stump a left-winger, Ask them what crime Donald Trump is accused. Because he's a criminal. He's the most corrupt president we have. He is this, he's that, he's the other thing. Just ask them for basic. Ask what, what did he do? What specifically was done? Can you articulate the threat to democracy that he's a totalitarian? Where did he impose his will? He did not create laws with the power of his magic pen. That would be Barack Obama. Right? He did not instruct prosecutors and his Justice Department to not enforce the laws of the United States as they are written on the books. That would be Joe Biden and also Barack Obama. Remember when when Joe Biden came into office, what did he do? 100 days, no deportations. Okay. Yeah. The law doesn't say that the president can decide there are no deportations. The law basically says if you're in this country illegally, found to be in this country illegally, you should be removed. He ordered the law to not be followed. He has been fighting ever since to subvert and skirt the law. Kind of a problem if you're at all interested in law and order. So spare me that Donald Trump 
wrote a check to pay off a glorified prostitute uh, in a perfectly legal transaction. And you go, oh, no, this is beyond the pale. This is a threat to our democracy. No, it's not. Looking at the law and going, I'm not interested in what the law says. I understand the legislative process. And there's no doubt Joe Biden understands the legislative process. He spent 40 years involved in the legislative process. He won't shut up about how long he was in the Senate, and yet he is rendering as much of the legislative process irrelevant as he possibly can by bypassing it, imposing his will on the American people, all doing it while screaming democracy and our democracy we must do this our democracy we must do that he cites polls which you can doctor in any way you possibly want on abortion they talk about polls all the time 60 percent of people uh, support abortion okay yeah they do but that's just one question do you think abortion should be legal yes do you think abortion should have limits yes Oh, that's a majority too. But they never go to question two. They never go to question two. They never go to question three. Like, what do you think should be that limit? And they say uh, six weeks or 12 weeks or whatever. The first tribe, whatever it is that that person says, a very tiny percentage of the population says up until the moment of birth. Yet that's what Democrats are pushing for when they say the American people want abortion to be legal. They then go to the tiny fringe and say all the way up to the moment of birth, but they don't ever say that to the public. They just won't say they support any restrictions whatsoever. Suddenly, if you get 70% of the population to say, all right, you got three months to either poop or get off the pot, make up your mind, and then it's too late, sorry, you're done, and you're going to have to give birth, you can give the kid up for adoption, you get 70%, 75% of the population to say that. Democrats ignore those people while screaming this is what democracy looks like, ironically. There is literally nothing that comes out of the mouths of these people that you can take at face value. They will choose only what helps them and ignore the rest. So you end up with this montage from Grabian Media of Democrats, both in and out of the media, you'll recognize most of these voices, if not all of them, lamenting, it's such a sad day for America when the Trump indictment comes down. This was put together by Grabian. And these people who'd spent day one saying, this is a really weak case. I'm surprised at how weak this case is. They have gone from that to this is a sad thing for America and this is a very serious charge and a full bore embracing of what they themselves the day before had said was a bogus charge. And they're doing it, they're trying to do it in a very somber, sober way. See, because fascism imposed reluctantly isn't fashion. Look, it's for your own good. We're going to have to put you in the re-education. I don't want to. I don't want, it's, it's better for you this way, to be honest with you. Kind of the mentality. But listen to this uh, group of fraud Democrats talk about how it's a sad day. Sad day. It's a sad day for America. 
hard stop. This is no time for celebration. Uh, you know, I think it's sad. I have fought Trump for a long time, but I'm sad that this has happened. How are you feeling about a historic day? I, you know, it's it's sad. And this is a day of profound sadness that an ex-president uh, is indicted, but it's also a time to celebrate. Because it's a sad moment to see a former president have to do this, even though we feel it could lead to justice. If, 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 you, if you don't see this, it's a sad day for America. It's a sad Sad day for America. It's a sad day. Well, I don't think anybody can consider it a good day. Regardless of anything, it's just really sad. It's a sadness, I, I think, uh, that we got to this point. I just want to remain measured. The left, full of somber support. I think, really, this should be a somber moment. It is a serious, somber, solemn moment. It's obviously a somber moment, and it's a, it's a sad moment. Well, it's really a sad day when we get to this point. Incredibly sad day for our country. It is a serious night. And a somber moment for our country. So this is a really sad moment and a perilous moment. I mean, I, I think it is a sad day. It is a sad chapter. It's just, I mean, hide the knives. Hide, hide a, a sharpened spoon. These people are in the midst of popping corks. They're, they're really on the verge of killing themselves. That last voice and a voice you heard in there earlier, Adam Schiff, Democrat, California. On the day of the arraignment, Adam Schiff was so sad, he put it in writing, an email. Friend, today is a really somber day, and I wanted to share with you some thoughts as I watch some of this TV coverage. It's not a scene I would ever have imagined. A former U.S. president photographed, fingerprinted, and arraigned in court. Didn't happen. Some of his most fervent supporters on the streets trying to stir up trouble. Oh, it's trying to stir up trouble. Where was that? That didn't happen. It's a sobering reminder of how fragile our democracy really is and how important it is for all of us to do our part to make sure it thrives for another generation. He goes on from there. Adam Schiff is hes so worried he's losing even more of his hair probably over this. But you can express your concern as well right there with Adam Schiff. By donating to his campaign. Yes, it's a somber moment. But the way to really save our democracy is to give me money. I'm rich. You're not. But you've got some room on that credit card, don't you? Come on. Give me some money because Trump or something. When I... It's getting harder and harder to be civil. It really is. These people are disgusting. It's, it's, it's not, there's no other word for it. You used to say, well, they're not our enemies. They are our opponents. And blah, blah, blah. We're at the end of the day. We're all Americans. I don't... Uh, technically, yes, at the end of the day, we're all Americans. But they are not good people. They are our enemies. They are trying to... There's a difference. One political party is trying to leave people the hell alone. You can live however you want. Don't care. And the other political party is trying to force you to live a way that they approve of. And that political party is the one screaming, fascist, fascist, threat to democracy, threat to democracy. You see a disconnect there? This isn't going to end anywhere good. It, it, it can't. But it needs to be ended soon before it gets much, much worse. So while we're talking about Democrats in general and just how awful they are, and I swear to God, they, they I, I can't, 
I, I used to be one of those, they're our opponents, not our enemies. They're our enemies. They are. As long as they continue to embrace the fringe, as long as they continue to try to impose their... Now, it's, it's the most ironic thing ever. It's hilarious. All the Nazis are looking up from hell going, you go, guys, you girls and non-binaries. Good job. Keep forcing everybody to, to bow to your whim. As long as they keep doing that, they are our enemies. They look at something as it is and go, I don't really care what the people want. This is what it has to be. We don't need parents. They, have, they don't even want parents to be able to parent, by the way. They don't want parents to be able to parent. They insist that uh, parents don't know parents are the problem with children. It's government. It's government and teachers know better, especially weirdos with a bunch of visible tattoos and piercings that they put a Frisbee plate in their ear and uh, God knows if you get eight or nine pieces of metal through your nose. Those are the people who should have control over your child. Go to... Go to uh, your parent-teacher conference. Go to the first day of school. Do yourself a favor. And the second you see a weirdo, check out their classroom. Probably once a week, stop by and just, oh, I'm picking up little Jenny or little Billy or whatever. I guess it would be little Hayden or little, I don't know, Noah. This, when I was a kid, every girl, every third girl was named Jennifer. But whatever. go pick, Just stop by the school. Look around. If you see the uh, BLM Antifa flag or the progressive flag, get your kid out of there as quickly as possible. Get your kid out of there as quickly as possible. Oh, it's a history class, though, so what? it doesn't matter. It's a math class. It doesn't matter. If a teacher can't go to work, that's in a, the normal course of existence, can't go a day at work without showing their politics on a wall. They like I can't sit here for eight hours without the world knowing that I'm non-binary. I can't sit here and teach children about math without everybody, without somehow symbolizing that I am an ally to child groomers. Get them away from there. If you can't do that, if you can't just... Look, I've held plenty of beliefs in my life that many of my former employers have found abhorrent. Well, maybe not abhorrent, but certainly did not agree with. But you know what? I didn't go, oh, I found out that uh, somebody wants higher taxes. My boss wants higher taxes. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to wear a screw you, cut taxes button every day. I'm going to do, no, I'm making a sandwich in a deli in an office building in Troy, Michigan. I'm pretty sure that nobody gives a damn. I'm working, my boss is a socialist, okay? Who cares? Just get over, we, we work together in eight-hour shifts. Maybe we could just get past that, talk about something else, because, you know, there's no point in arguing all the time. But the left can't do that. If you can't do that, if you can't go and make a sandwich without putting a uh, rainbow bumper or button on your your shirt there's something wrong with you if you can't go eight hours without showing the world letting your freak flag fly in a classroom you don't belong in that classroom you should not be in that classroom in fact you should probably not be within 300 yards of a school to be honest with you if you can't just get over it 
And that's what these people are. That's what these people do. That's how they view you. You are the problem. You are the enemy. Some trans lunatic goes and shoots up a Christian school and you're the problem. You are the problem. And the gun is the problem. The gun has to go and you, churchy, over there, whether you go to church or not, you, churchy, you gotta go. You need to be re-educated about the dangers of the gun. And yeah, I know we all know the dangers of the gun. If in the hands of an unstable mental liberal, the gun is absolutely a threat. But I love it. They've got constitutional carry down in Florida. It's now anybody who has a gun can carry it down in Florida without seeking government permission. Have you heard about the massive shootings that have been going on down there ever since? What? You haven't? Or the killing fields of Texas? No, no, you don't hear about that either. Lots of people shot in Chicago over the weekend. But don't worry, you can't legally own a gun in Chicago. So, hey, wait a second. There's a disconnect there. You gotta love the way that the left finds excuses. You can't buy a gun in Chicago. So what are they? You can't own a gun in Chicago. So what happens with all the shootings in Chicago? Well, it's a problem because people are going into other states and they're buying guns and they're bringing them back into Chicago. So we must oppress people's Second Amendment rights there as well. Wait, you're telling me that people are breaking the law. So you need more laws to stop them from breaking the law. Now you get arrested with an illegal gun in Chicago. You're likely to be let off. If they they might tap your wrist on the way out, but they're likely to be let off. And you're telling me that's not the problem. That's 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 totally cool. Because, you know, once somebody is arrested on a felony gun possession charge that is either dismissed wholeheartedly or dropped out to a misdemeanor, slap on the wrist and sorry for the inconvenience and you're at uh, you're back home in time for lunch. There's no way on God's green earth they'll ever do that again. They will have learned their lesson because it takes a couple of minutes to wipe off the, the fingerprint ink. Right? And you don't want to go through that hardship again. So once you get that, there's no way there would be any recidivism whatsoever. Of course, reality, we all know, is the exact opposite. The violent crimes inflicted on every major city is by a handful of people. A handful of people. And police know who they are. Police know who they are. They're the people who... Make sure that they're not traveling with guns. Unless they're going to use their guns, they're not going to get pulled over. They have like a compartment, a hidden compartment in their car to make sure they're not caught with guns. But police know exactly who they are. They terrorize communities into not testifying against them. I would say that all the murders in, say, Baltimore, except for like the crimes of passion or whatever, 90% of the murders in Baltimore are probably done by a dozen people maybe. There aren't that many people willing to kill for money. Thank God. At least not yet. As Democrats desensitize people to existence and try and turn people again and trying to inspire more murders that could well change. But for hire, 
you know, the, the goon enforcer in the gangs, there are very, very few people willing to do that. They're willing to sell drugs. They're willing maybe beat the hell out of somebody. But killing somebody is, it takes a special kind of sociopath to do that. Thank God. So there aren't that many of them. They know who they are. They can't get them. And even if they do get them, if you get somebody on a, a weapons charge, uh, those are the people you should absolutely throw the book at. But the prosecutors are what? They're the ones who are saying, we really need criminal justice reform. We have an over-incarceration problem. We have mass incarceration. No, no, we have mass committing crimes, all right? We, we set the rules. We set the rules. And then a whole bunch of people break the rules. Now, you can argue that we have far too many rules, and you can go through the legislative process to even lobby on behalf of that, to change those rules. You don't get to ignore them. Democrats routinely ignore these rules, which actually leads more people to the violent path of committing crimes and eventually murders. Because if you are arrested for selling drugs... And it's, uh, you just kind of get let go, right? Just kind of get let go. No real consequences. Then the next time you're arrested and you're let go. And then you beat the hell out of somebody and you're let go. And then you're caught with a weapon on you. And you're let go. You escalate each time. There's no fear of God put in you. You begin to, if there's no fear of God put in you by the system, you could begin to think that you are God. And you could go further. You do go further. And something horrible happens. You do something irreversible. Because why? Well, you shouldn't have been there to do it. You should have been in, you always hear this, that, oh, they arrested the shooter and he had been arrested 48 times. 48 times. Why was he on the street after 48 times? They've always asked that question. Nobody really sits around and looks at the answer. Nobody sits around and thinks about the answer. Nobody goes, yeah, you know what? That is a bit of a problem. You have that many run-ins with the law. Each one of those steps in that person's justice journey is a step up. They're doing more and doing more and doing more. And guess what happens? Ultimately, they kill somebody. Not always. Not exclusively, but very few people start off with their first run-in with the law being murder. But the murderers have a lot of run-ins with the law that ended up with nothing, right? They ended up with nothing. So I'm going to play you a clip of Karine Jean-Pierre talk about the Florida constitutional carry, the right of people to carry their weapons, if they so choose. She thinks this is shameful. On Florida, uh, Governor Ron DeSantis signing uh, a concealed, uh, permitless concealed weapon law. I know you released a statement, but does the White House feel that when laws like this are passed in states like Florida, that it undermines the work it's doing to address the, uh, the nation's uh, gun epidemic? Look, we think it's shameful. It's certainly shameful and tragic, especially after a school shooting. Oh, shameful and tragic, especially after a school shameful and tra- Shameful and tragic. Shameful and tra- Dancing on a grave, dancing a jig on the grave of children. That's cool. That's all right. That's no big deal. That's to be expected. I mean, who can, who can resist that kind of music? Am I right? All right. 
But you, innocent Americans who've done nothing, exercising your constitutionally protected right to keep and bear arms is shameful. Now, you got to love the reporter's question. I don't know who this reporter was, uh, but it's embarrassing. Does the White House feel this undermines Biden's work that he's trying to do? Oh, no. How dare somebody? And the left is amazing. They don't seem to understand or they certainly don't respect the concept of federalism. States are free to do what states want to do. New York, you don't want anybody to carry a gun. You don't have to let anybody carry a gun. Try to carry a gun in Maryland. They're going to make it nearly impossible. You've pretty much got to be a Democrat who wants to keep the riffraff away from you in order to carry a gun. I know, no emails, I get it. But they make it as difficult as possible. You can't carry a gun. Good luck carrying a gun. Good luck getting a carry permit in Baltimore, right? Where are you more likely to be shot or even just shot at? Baltimore or pick any city in Florida? Pick any city in Texas. Pick any city in any of the 25 or 26 states that now have constitutional carry. Hmm? Now, what's funny is the left in response to this. They have this, you know, Jamal Bowman was screaming in the halls of uh, Congress the other day and yelling at uh, Congressman Tom Massey about it. Massey tried to made the mistake of taking Jamal Bowman seriously and trying to have a conversation with him, but Jamal Bowman can't handle a conversation, so he just kept yelling and screaming like a, a manic street preacher. But Bowman was saying, oh, the murder rate in these states is, is much higher, much higher than anywhere else, much higher, blah, 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 blah. In, in blue cities, in red states, yes, there's a higher murder rate. But if you look at the real data, concealed or constitutional carry applies to legal, legally purchased, legally owned firearms. The vast majority of murders by firearms in this country are committed with illegal guns. They are committed in deep blue Democrat states. And they are committed by people who, again, have had multiple run-ins with police, including usually people who have had firearms charges against them. Dropped, dismissed, discounted, plea bargained, whatever it is. It is not the legal gun owner going around shooting people, even in places where you don't need a, a license to carry. You don't need state permission to carry. It is not Two law-abiding citizens in Texas, one steps on the boots of the other guy and says, hey, you stepped on my shiny new boots out in the street, high noon, let's go, or a shootout right there at the OK Corral and pub. It's not that. It is the illegal guns. It doesn't matter. Reality doesn't impact these people. They have an agenda. They want to disarm you. They want to make you 
helpless. They want to make you afraid and therefore make you dependent on government to protect you. You can't protect yourself. They want you to rely on government to protect you. Now, if you look around the city of Baltimore, do you feel protected by the law enforcement there as they're defunding the police in Detroit, in New York, in San Francisco, in Chicago, where they just elected somebody who promises to this day to defund police and will. They will. Things are going to get much, much worse in Chicago. More and more people that Democrats claim to care most about are going to be murdered in Chicago, and they're going to continue to ignore them. And you just have to look at it and go, I, it's sad, but I can't care anymore. You voted. You voted for this, okay? You can have some kind of sympathy for the cancer patient, but if they're smoking through their trach, you kind of have to go, what are you doing? What are you doing? At a certain point, you have to look at Chicago and go, what are you doing? What are you, you're making it worse. You're voting for the criminals. You elected the criminals candidate. And you just got to kind of walk away and let these people destroy themselves and protect your yourself and your property and let, let everything else go to hell. Just keep hell contained. Um. <sighs> Right now, by the way, the uh, governor of California, speaking of the enemy and invasion, the governor of California is in Florida. He's down there giving, he's trying to, he's trying to make himself a national figure. He's trying to make himself viable. He's desperately trying. He wants to, when Joe Biden, when Joe Biden's handlers, when something happens with Joe, God forbid, knock on wood, I don't want anything to happen with Joe. La, 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 la. Something happens to Joe that he's unable to run for president. Gavin Newsom wants to be the default candidate because he's a rich white guy, right? Democrats are ultimately the party of rich white guys. For all their talk about uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion, they're, they're the party of rich white guys. And they don't get much richer or whiter than Gavin Newsom. And so he's trying to show how he's ready for the challenge. He's up to the challenge. And he comes in and he goes down and he, he tweets about Florida all the time. He's ready to go to Florida. He talk about Florida, 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 Florida. Sucks. It's terrible. His in-laws, by the way, moved to Florida. <laughs> his in-laws, this is his wife number two or three. I don't know. Can't keep track of it. But uh, his, uh, his in-laws moved to Florida from California. They fled California after their son-in-law became the mayor. They also became donors to Ron DeSantis' re-election campaign. But, hey, what are you going to do? Gavin Newsom tweeted out, met with some librarians today while in Florida. They shared with me the rich, diverse background of the town and what's at stake if we ban our kids from learning our real history. Oh, yes, Yes, the real history of how to have intercourse with uh, adults, kids and adults. Nambla, basically. Is Gavin Newsom the Nambla goodwill ambassador? He might as well be. What's funny is Gavin Newsom has banned state employees from traveling to Florida. If there was a conference in Florida, if there was a conference of uh, worthless state bureaucrats or whatever, California would have about 10,000 people per zip code who would qualify for that go to that conference they'd be hitting up their bosses 
and say, hey, uh, we're going to go to this conference in Florida. They would not, by state law, be allowed to attend because Florida is horrible, terrible, and Gavin Newsom doesn't want any California money, which isn't really California money. It's Californians' money taken by the state of California and spent. Uh, He doesn't want that money going to the state of Florida because they're such horrible, horrible hate mongers. But he can go there. It's weird. He can go there on official business. It's weird. He can go there with his security detail. It's weird. It's almost as though he puts himself above the law. You know what I mean? It's, I swear, it's the most bizarre thing. What kind of a liberal would dare think that something doesn't apply to them that applies to everybody else? Oh, yes, well, all of them. All of them. Every single last one of them. It really is. It's hilarious watching this man operate. The Orlando Sentinel, left-wing rank. On DeSantis's turf, Newsom decries conservative education push. you got to distill the horrible, horrible conservative education push to teach kids. To teach kids. Huh. Yeah, who wants that? Certainly not a Democrat. An educated populace is the enemy of the Democratic Party. It's an Associated Press story. Appearing on Wednesday on Republican Governor Ron DeSantis' turf, California Governor Gavin Newsom decried what he called backward-looking conservative attempts to reshape education in the U.S., most notably at progressive institutions like New College of Florida. Hmm. Newsom, a Democrat, met with more than a dozen students and faculty at a library near the new campus, New College campus in Sarasota as part of a tour of Republican-led states aimed at boosting fellow Democrats and criticizing what he said are GOP efforts to ban abortion, tread on LGBTQ plus rights, weaken civil and voting rights, and marginalize people of color. Ah, yes. Yeah, nothing like a rich white guy coming in going, patting black people on the head going, don't worry, I'll protect you. I don't need your protection. No, no, no. That's exactly what they want you to think. Don't worry, I'll protect you. Okay, you can pretend I'm not protecting you, but I will protect you. Here's a lollipop. Vote Democrat. Uh, quote, I can't believe what you're dealing with. It's just an unbelievable assault, Newsom said. It's common with everything he's doing, bullying and intimidating vulnerable communities. Vulnerable, all these vulnerable communities. You ever notice one thing about, Democrats love that term. Every single last one of these damn vulnerable communities are represented by Democrats vulnerable oh they're so vulnerable and they've been vulnerable and they're falling further and further behind and they're doing this and, they're, and it sounds like absolute hell it makes it sound like democrat democrats see a group of minorities and they go they, they live like a third world country they're horrible they're oppressed and then you you go for about 60 years you've been their sole representation in government you guys have been the only people We've been ruling over these. Essentially, you won't let anybody go and be left alone on a federal level. And if you don't have federal power, you won't let people be left alone on a state level. And if you don't have state power, you have local power. And you won't let anybody be left alone on a local level. Wherever it is, there's government living just south of your colon, 
ready to move in at any moment, telling people what to do, yet somehow, oh, it's just horrible and oppressive for everybody involved. Well, the only political power over these people in any appreciable, measurable way is Democrats. Never make that connection. Never make that connection. Newsom has frequently criticized DeSantis, even using some unspent campaign money for a television ad in Florida that urged people to move to California, quote, where we still believe in freedom, end quote. DeSantis once clipped, quipped that uh, carefully quaffed Newsom's, quote, hair gel is interfering with his brain functions, end quote. It's true. Nobody took him up on, on that offer to move to California. In fact, like I said, his own in-laws got the F out of Dodge and went to California and became DeSantis donors. That's kind of embarrassing. What's also embarrassing is while he's sitting there whining and crying and lamenting, oh, it's just horrible. Look at how horrible. Everything's horrible here. Wah, 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 wah. The... Uh, The city, his state, his his state is falling apart. He's whining and crying about a bogus made-up. They're banning books. They're burning. You can buy any book you want in Florida. You can buy. You you probably can't buy uh, irreversible damage in California without being put on a list about how the trans agenda is literally ruining children's lives and bodies forever and doing things that are, well, irreversible damage. You can't do that without getting in trouble. And they tried to ban it. They did ban it for a time on Amazon because tolerance and stuff. But you can buy whatever sort of Nambla handbook you want. But meanwhile, in California, while he's sitting there going, oh, this horrible situation, straw man setting it on fire, building a straw man setting it on fire. Bob Lee, cash app creator, very successful tech entrepreneur, murdered on the streets of San Francisco. Just murdered. No reason. Stabbed. New York Times, Bob Lee, a tech executive and investor who was instrumental in creating the mobile payment service Cash App, was fatally stabbed on the streets in San Francisco on Tuesday, according to his family. The San Francisco Police Department said it responded to a call about a stabbing at the Rincon Hill neighborhood at about 2.35 a.m. on Tuesday. The police did not initially identify the victim, a 43-year-old man with, quote, apparent stab wounds who died at the hospital. But KPIX, the local CBS affiliate, reported that friends of Mr. Lee said he was the victim, which was confirmed Wednesday morning on Facebook by his father, Rick Lee of Miami, as well as public officials. Now, isn't that love? This is San Francisco. This is a nice neighborhood in San Francisco. What does progressivism get you? Progressivism gets you killed. Progressivism, in fact, kills. This story on the same murder from the New York Post. Tragic video shows dying Cash App founder Bob Lee was ignored by bystanders as he begged for help after being stabbed in San Francisco early Tuesday. Before succumbing to his injuries, the 43-year-old chief product officer of MobileCoin 
walked up to a parked car that has its had its hazards flashing on and tried to get help, according to surveillance footage obtained by the San Francisco Standard. Footage showed Lee lifted his shirt to show the driver his two stab wounds, but collapsed to the ground as the car drove off. The car drove off. Lee called 911 at 2.34 a.m. and pleaded for help, yelling to dispatchers that he had been stabbed and needed to go to the hospital. Police arrived less than six minutes later and found Lee unconscious with two stab wounds to the chest. Rushed to San Francisco General Hospital where he died. Police had not announced any arrests or named any suspects in the stabbing as of Thursday morning. The brutal stabbing in the city's downtown Rincon Hill neighborhood, a well-to-do area in former Speaker Nancy Pelosi's district, left a trail of blood along the sidewalk outside the building where Lee collapsed, according to the standard. Police have not said whether the stabbing was random or a targeted attack. But they went, he went, tried to get help from somebody, and what happened? They drove off. They drove off. This is progressivism. This very essence of progressivism is to look at a problem and say somebody else should do something about that. Somebody should really do something about this problem I'm staring at in real time and watching happen. You go, well... (laughs) No time like the present. What about you try to... No, not me. Somebody should help that starving homeless man over there. Well, you, you got some money in your pocket. You go, but No, 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 government. When I say somebody, I mean government. Well, until government does it, until government is ready to step up, how about you? But you do it. You fill that. No, 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 no. You don't. You don't, that's no, no. That that does no good. Individual, no good at all. It certainly could. I promise you. If that person's hungry right now, and you buy them a sandwich, they won't be hungry when you give them the sandwich. Right? They'll eat it, and they'll be fine. So, in that sense, you will have done something. No, government needs to do it. Now get away from me and let's get away from that smelly homeless person before they come over here and get near my car and touch my car. I don't want them to dirty up my car. That's the essence of liberalism, to look at something and say somebody should do something about that. And then bitch about it nonstop. Take to the streets, burn a lot of calories trying to get government involved in doing something. When government has never once effectively addressed or solved a so-called problem, individuals have. Government comes in and gloms on later and says, we'll take it from here. It's like watching somebody run 26.1 miles of a marathon and you coming in and go, we'll we'll do uh, pass me the baton. I got this. We'll, uh, we completed a marathon. Everybody, when I was, doing various jobs, particularly in construction. This is one of the things that drives me nuts. There's always those people who come in at the end of the job. You got 10 minutes left to work on there. And then suddenly they show up and they're going to bust their hump. And I'm going to put some nails. I'm going to put some shingles down here. I'm going to burn down some of this tar. I'm going to, whatever it is, I'm going to put these uh, two by fours in. Whatever the job is, they come in right at the end. And then you hear them talking about how, well, 
we just finished work on this thing. We just did like you, the boss or the supervisor. Like you didn't, you didn't do squat. You walked over to the Starbucks and sat there all afternoon while we worked, and then you come in at the end and go, "Yeah, we, we really, we really busted our butts on this one." That's how government is. And okay, private sector solves the problem. Now there's a government plan government program to help the problem and they come in and say look at we've addressed this problem and then things of course start to backslide that's neither here nor there though when you've got the governor of california going to florida a state that has seen record influx of new citizens talking about how horrible it is there people are free to leave florida they're choosing not to people are still free at least for now to leave california and they're getting the hell out as quickly as possible the lefties out in the legislature in san uh, in uh, sacramento it's gotten so bad that people you know who are successful are leaving california that they're trying to find some sort of legal way to tax the people leaving california that's one of the funniest things ever. they're trying to find a way to tax the people moving out of California, going not just to Florida, but going to anywhere. Anywhere is better, aside from just the the physical beauty of the state. And honestly, at this point, you need for the uh, the area between Los Angeles and San Francisco and Northern California, you need a neutron bomb to get rid of all the people to make it beautiful. Because you're like, wow, this is beautiful looking at this. Look at this incredible. And then you go, is that... Is that somebody taking a dump over? Yeah, that is somebody taking a dump over there. All right, let's move down here. Hey, there! no, there's somebody cooking up a spoonful of heroin. Let's try and move over here. We want to enjoy this. Be- oh, look at this beautiful. Now this guy's literally urinating on my leg. All right, now there's a dead body over Let's just go. With somebody took pictures of this place a couple years ago before it was overrun with junkies and homeless people and uh, we'll just go and put them on the high def tv and stand really close to it and pretend we'll turn a fan on and we'll pretend we're here that's what california has become so california is and you just sit there and you go oh this is great it's the it's the golden state now it's the golden shower state because it smells like urine everywhere it's like new york city somebody was talking this morning on social media and it's like uh, like New York has gone to hell in a handbasket. Every time I've gone to New York in the last uh, few years, and I've been in New York a lot in the last few years, more times than I wanted to go to New York in the last few years, each time it's gotten worse. Not that I've seen crime, although I have seen crime in New York. I've seen crime everywhere. It's crime. But you walk the streets of New York and it literally smells like a urinal that is smoking weed. It's like a well, it's a urinal that when you flush it, pot smoke comes out. That's what New York smells like now. Now, granted, before it just kind of smelled like urine, so I suppose it's changing. <laughs> it's not much better, but you don't see that. I haven't. I wasn't there when Rudy Giuliani was mayor, so I missed the good old days when it didn't stink of bodily functions. But now there is a third smell, and it is the other side of uh, the human body. It just wafts by occasionally. You can't go a city block without smelling one or all three of those aromas to one degree or another. And it's sad. Like, I want to wake up in a city that never sleeps to, I want to wake up in a city that never flushes. 
That's what Democrats do to things, because, well, that's what Democrat policies are, and one might argue, meanly so, that that's what Democrats are. <gasps> that's so mean. Yeah, the truth hurts. By the way, did you, uh, there's another update. I swear to God, it is, it's the time, if you've ever, ever thought, if you had no soul and no, no decency and no uh, moral compass, tuck it back. And post on social media, and the money will flow to you. You will become rich beyond your wildest dreams. Because that uh, weirdo Dylan Mulvaney is really, really raking in the cash. <laughs> okay. Now from Nike. He put out a video of him dancing around in a Nike sports bra and Nike yoga pants or whatever. He is... One a new uh, brand ambassador, brand sponsor, meaning he's probably getting about eh, a couple hundred thousand dollars to represent Nike women. Nike women. Now the dude is a dude, right? He has no breasts. He's a man, but he is out there dancing around in a sports bra and collecting a bunch of money that otherwise would have gone to a woman, a real woman. I swear to God, a genuine woman. Instead, Nike women said to hell with it. Now, the thing that's most offensive isn't that all of these idiots are uh, throwing money at this moron, at this child groomer. It's that they don't do it to real women. They don't do it to real. They don't give these contracts to real women. These contracts for real women end up screwing over real women. What do I mean by that? Well, you don't have to go back all that far. Just a couple years. 2019, May 22nd to be exact. Remember Allison Felix? She is an Olympic track and field star. She's won tons of medals, tons and tons of medals. Very good looking, very fast, very good at her events one of the most awarded olympians we as a nation have ever produced she had a contract with nike that nike contract stopped paying her when she got pregnant because she got pregnant real women get screwed over by progressive nike that's since changed because Allison Felix took to the pages of the New York Times to complain about it. She wrote, I've always known, this is back in that piece uh, in uh, 2019, I've always known that expressing myself could hurt my career. I've tried not to show emotion, to anticipate what people expect from me and do it. I don't like to let people down, but you can't change anything with silence. Last week, two of my former Nike teammates, the Olympic runners Alyssa Montano, Tanya, whatever, and Kara Goucher, heroically broke their non-disclosure agreements about the company to share their pregnancy stories in a New York Times investigation. They told stories, uh, we athletes know are true, but I've been too scared to tell publicly. 
if we have children, we risk pay cuts from our sponsors during pregnancy and afterwards. It's one example of a sports industry where the rules are still mostly made for and by men. I have my own pregnancy story as a professional runner. For most of my life, I was focused on one thing, winning medals. And I was good at it. At 32, I was one of the most decorated athletes in history, a six-time Olympic gold medal winner and an 11-time world champion. But last year, my focus expanded. I wanted to be a professional athlete and a mother. In some ways, that dream was crazy. I decided to start a family in 2018, knowing that pregnancy can be the kiss of death in my industry. As the runner Phoebe Wright put it in the Times last week, it was a terrifying time for me because I was negotiating a renewal of my Nike contract, which had ended in December of 2017. I felt pressure to return to form as soon as possible after the birth of my daughter in November 2018, even though I ultimately had to undergo an emergency C-section at 32 weeks because of an emergency. Meanwhile, negotiations were not going well. Despite all my victories, Nike wanted to pay me 70% less than before. If that wasn't what they were thinking, if that's what they think I'm worth now, I accept that. What I'm not willing to accept is that the enduring status quo around maternity. I asked Nike to contractually guarantee that I wouldn't be punished if I didn't perform my at my best in the months surrounding childbirth. I wanted to set a new standard. If I, one of Nike's most widely marketed athletes, couldn't secure these protections, who could? Progressive Nike declined. Nike declined. They wanted to pay her less because she got pregnant, and then they wanted to pay her even less if she didn't immediately stay at the standards that she'd won, you know, a little bit of time for recovery after birth. Nike, progressive Nike. Now today, they're throwing God knows how many hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars, maybe even to a guy to market Nike women. Nike women's clothing. Here, look at how this supports your breasts, says a guy who doesn't have them. Hey, here you go. Here's what? What's here? Well, look at these yoga pants. They really hide a penis. What? Yeah, no, that's what they're doing. That's what they're pushing. They won't pay a real woman, but they'll pay a man. And really, the most offensive thing about this guy, Dylan Mulvaney, is that he's doing an, an asinine, childish, stereotypical, based on just everything, you the worst trope-filled movies you've ever seen, impersonation of what a woman is. He's one step away from screaming, ah, and running away from every bug he sees, like my kids do in the backyard. They're four and five, and Mulvaney is in his 20s at least. But that's who Nike decides is the representative of women? That's who the left decides is the representative of women? That's Democrats. 
That's who Joe Biden sat down and did an interview with. Joe Biden going to run for re-election next year without how he gave, I think it was eight sit-down interviews last year, none of which were anybody who might ask him a serious question. He sat down with Scott Pelley, who after finding out about the uh, the documents taken from Mar-a-Lago, what did you make of how Donald Trump was holding, handling uh, those documents? And he said, I c- how could anybody be so irresponsible? It was so shocking. Then a week later, we come to find out that Joe Biden did the same thing and much worse and did it all over the place, all over Washington, D.C., his offices, his houses, his former offices. He was hiring unknown moving companies to move things around and let's put an office in in Chinatown because we want to lessen the carbon footprint of the Beijing spies. We don't want them to have to drive across town to get access to these classified documents. Let's move the documents closer to them. And there was no call from Scott Pelley to say, hey, we need a follow-up interview. Because he said it was wildly irresponsible to have things that don't seem to be all that important to national security strewn about on the floor, which wasn't how they were kept, by the way. That was how the Department of Justice, the FBI, laid them out to take the picture of it. Yet you did the same thing. There's no uh, no push on 60 Minutes to try and get to the bottom of that. No desire to have another sit down to call him out for that hypocrisy. Everything that these people do is to one degree or another a fraud. To one degree or another, complete and total fraud. They're women or men. Their presidents are senile. Their policies are the opposite of what they claim to do. They are doing what they accuse everybody else of doing. They, in fact, originated it. It is the ultimate in hypocrisy, and they get away with it. They are celebrated for it, as a matter of fact. Of course, they're celebrated for it by themselves. They celebrate themselves for it. Nike, $10 million contract to Colin Kaepernick. For what? to lie about this country, to claim victim status, to grow out an afro and date a racist and attack his parents, his adoptive parents. You have to say adoptive parents because he says adoptive parents. Because why? Because they're white and yuck, gross, right? My God, what a horrible group of people. What an honest to God, horrible group of people who deserve unbelievably bad things unbelievably horrible things they deserve every single one of those things constitutional carry down in florida it's a it's a it's shameful yeah what about the murder in nashville what about the murder in nashville trans activist progressive and good standing manifesto out there we still haven't seen they don't want us to see it because i'm sure it reads like the democratic platform what about that corinne jean pierre was actually asked about that hey you've got a trans activist going into a christian school and killing people seemingly because it's a christian school republicans are saying that could be a hate crime what do you guys say Ah, uh, it's not for them. Actually, listen, listen to Corinne Jean-Pierre. Say, it's not for us to decide that. It's not, not up to us, not up to the White House to decide that when it's one of our team going in and inspire. When one of our team picks up on the subtleties of what we're secretly hoping that they do, 
It's not for us to decide. Um, former Vice President Pence said that if the shooter who killed six people uh, in that Christian school in Tennessee was motiva- motivated by a hatred towards Christians, that the crime should be categorized as a hate crime. I'm wondering what the president thinks of that kind of designation. It's not for us to decide. It's not for us to decide. If it turns out that it was motivated by hate, should it be a hate crime? That's not for us to decide. It's not for us to decide this pile of human garbage, this five foot two mental dwarf stack of excrement. It's not for us to decide. Who are we to say? You know, look, the three people, the three adults killed were probably Republican voters and the, the three children murdered probably would have ended up being Republican voters. So, you know, it's not for us to decide. But uh, we and meanwhile, Democrats across the country, including Madonna, are celebrating the killer. Oh, remember the real victim here, the trans community, the trans. You mean the, the, the quote unquote community that produced somebody who could shoot three nine year olds in cold blood? That community? Well, no, that's not indicative. Every time anybody who you don't like any from a group you don't favor does something, everybody in that group is responsible. So, therefore, just using your powers of logic, your own rules, every trans person produced this monster. Did they not? Ah, you can't do that. What are you, some kind of transphobe? No, I'm not afraid of trans people. I'm just sick of them sick of hearing about them i'm sick of seeing drag queen story hours and strip teases done for seven-year-old boys i'm sick of it i'm sick of you trying to say this is perfectly normal i'm sick of the grooming i'm sick of the hypocrisy and on that hypocrisy note remember back in 2022 may of 2022 as a matter of fact A monster went into a grocery store in a predominantly black neighborhood in Buffalo, New York, and killed a bunch of people. Remember that story? The media curiously covered that story an awful lot. We knew who did it. The person was dead. No question about it. But they still covered it for days and days on end. Why? They've already moved on from Nashville. They don't care about Nashville. But just to show the hypocrisy of the left, here is the very historic Carrie Jean-Pierre. That very same day, because, see, Democrats, it was uh, black victims. I think not exclusively, but majority black victims in a black neighborhood perpetrated by a white guy. It was the place of the White House to decry that as a hate crime, but when the victims are Christian, it's not our place to say. Not our Look, they're white Christians. Who knows? They had it coming. I mean, what does the motive really matter at this point? Am I right? Am I right? Am I right? She couldn't say that. But she could say this back in 2022. Uh, no, uh, this, this weekend's attack in, in Buffalo. Um, the, 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 the shooter's professed ideology echoed in some ways the, the, hate, the hateful rhetoric espoused by the Charlottesville white supremacist protesters almost five years ago that motivated the president to run for this office. Uh, back then, it is often talked about what more does the president believe he has to do and the country has to do to combat that sort of hate? 
So let me just say, we still need to learn more about the motivation uh, for the shooting as law enforcement do, does their work. Uh, but we don't, we don't need anything else to, stay, to state a clear uh, moral truth, right, which is a racially motivated hate crime is abhorrent uh, to the very fabric of this nation. Uh, hate must not have a safe harbor. This is something that the president says very often, especially in these uh, horrific incidents uh, that we have seen time and time again. We must do everything in our power to end hate-fueled domestic uh, terrorism, and we must reject hatred and extremism ideologies that seek to divide uh, Americans whenever we find it in our society. Uh, it is antithetical to who we are as a country and, feels, and it fuels violence as well. We must call out hate everywhere we see it. It's antithetical to who we are as a country. Hey, somebody shot up a Christian school. Somebody who's clearly not a Christian. Pretty obviously, painfully obviously, not a Christian. Are you going to condemn that? No, well, it's not for me to say. You're going to have to convene a panel of experts from academia to study this thing for months, if not years, to come. And then maybe one day down the road, we'll consider labeling it as... Uh, not a hate crime per se, but certainly not a love crime. You know, that's as far as we're willing to go. This was definitely not a love crime. You see the difference? See the difference? I know you see the difference. There's a glaring difference. It is obvious. Stevie Wonder could see the difference. Democrats don't care. I would say that Democrats assume other Democrats are dumb enough to believe it. But MSNBC is never going to show those clips back to back. They're never going to do that. CNN probably doesn't even isn't even aware of it. They've all moved on from the murders in Tennessee. They don't care about it anymore. They didn't care about it any longer than they absolutely had to so that when somebody says, you didn't care, you don't care about the murders in Tennessee, so we did a lot. We did three days worth of coverage on that. You have three... Hold this. We covered it nonstop for three days. They didn't do any of it, but they, they mentioned it casually for a couple of days. And by the weekend, it was over. It was done. It was gone. It was inconvenient. There isn't a single news outlet out there actively pursuing, either through leaks or Freedom of Information Act or lawsuits or whatever, anything, to try and get that manifesto. They don't care. If it came out now, would they even report on it? They have their priorities, and none of them are you. Let's look over at Tennessee now. Holy, the legislature in Tennessee. The way the framing of this story is amazing. The headline from the Associated Press: Tennessee House moves to expel three Democrats after gun protest. After gun protests, you think, oh, well, did they they give a speech? What did they do? They violated the rules. The rules. They violated the story. Tennessee Republican lawmakers took the first steps Monday to expel three Democratic members from the GOP-dominant House for their role in a recent gun control protest at the state capitol. Now, their role was in aiding and abetting people storming the capitol, entering the capitol violently and loudly taking over. This was not just uh, they went out and gave a speech on the steps of the Capitol. But it's different when Democrats do it. It would be an insurrection if you did it. 
The FBI would be searching cell phone records for pings everywhere, if and you did it. The extraordinarily rare move resulted in a chaotic and fiery confrontation between lawmakers and supporters opposing the move and has further fractured the already deep political division inside the Tennessee legislature. Now, you love it. It's Republicans are being very, very divisive. Well, what about the leftists who are aiding and abetting the, the violent mob? It's different. They did it for a good cause. They did it for the cause that we support, gun control. Resolutions have been filed against Representatives Gloria Johnson, Justin Jones, and Justin Pearson after they led chants from the House floor with supporters in the gallery last Thursday. The resolution declared that the three participated in disorderly behavior and, quote, did knowingly and intentionally bring disorder and dishonor to the House of Representatives. Now, there are rules in legislative bodies. We see and mock all the time what? You see it on, it's usually a kicker in a news segment. You go, look at what happened in the Philippines or Thailand today. And you see a bunch of legislators, they start fighting. They start punching. They start shoving and pushing and everything and it's just chaos. And you sit there and you go, what a bunch of idiots. We don't have that in this country, at least not yet. Democrats will bring it about. And how you get there is by letting idiot, progressive left, uh, uh, left morons lead protests from the floor and do nothing about it. You do nothing about it, and then what? Well, you're going to do it again. Why wouldn't you do it again? You'd be stupid not to do it again. It gets attention. That's all these little temper tantrums are, is cries for attention. So why would you not do it again? Do it again and again and again. And then eventually it escalates into a clown show where somebody, probably a leftist, because eventually a Republican will go, well, if you're going to do it, we're going to do it. And they're going to lead a protest for, I don't know, life down there. And some leftist who hates life is going to go up there and say, this is ridiculous. We're, and and uh, they'll punch him. It'll start. And that's what will happen. And then they'll go, huh. Republicans were engaged in a controversial protest on the House floor, and uh, Democrats stepped up to put a stop to it. It'll be something like that. No, to hell with it. Expel these people. Kick their asses out. Let them deal with the consequences. We have so much of life that, that thanks to Democrats in one form or another, have made, they've made consequence free. A consequence-free life leads to a lot of bad things or even consequence postponed the people i talked about earlier you're arrested on gun charges but well you weren't actively shooting anybody we're gonna let you slide on this one well eventually it's not just going to be you were carrying a gun it's going to be you shot somebody why because nobody stopped you when you were just carrying a gun Republican reps Bud Halsey, Gino Bolso, and Andrew Farmer filed the resolutions. They successfully requested Monday that the House expedite the process and vote on the resolutions Thursday. Despite support from the Republican supermajority, their request sparked outrage among supporters watching in the gallery. Oh, no, you mean the representatives of the people, the duly elected representatives of the people did something and the distinct minority since republicans have a supermajority, and the distinct minority watching from the gallery didn't like it and that's this that's the story 
Despite support from the Republican supermajority, their crest sparked outrage among supporters watching in the gallery. You mean the violent mob, didn't like the violent mob being held accountable. Their loud jeers led House Speaker Cameron Sexton to demand they be removed by state troopers. Also, during the turmoil, several lawmakers engaged in a confrontation on the House floor. Jones later accused another member of stealing his phone and trying to incite a riot with his fellow members. Isn't that amazing? The way these leftists are, they cause a problem. They are called out for the problem. It is an unprecedented problem. You don't do this. You don't lead protests from the floor. There are rules of decorum, and they're there for a reason, not just because, what if there are school kids up there in the gallery? It's to maintain order. You want a fist fight? Go out in the hall. You don't do it here. But Democrats are so used to getting away with it that they try to get away with it. They expect to get away with it. Now, listen to the Today Show report from this morning on this and tell me there isn't the complete and total sympathy with these leftists from this so-called reporter from the Today Show. Hey, Ahoda, good morning. That fiery debate debate remains front and center here in Tennessee. In just a few hours, hundreds, if not thousands of demonstrators are expected to flood the state capitol here as proceedings get underway for the possible expulsion of three Democratic lawmakers. Representatives Gloria Johnson, Justin Jones, and Justin Pearson will have an opportunity to defend their case on the House floor after Republicans filed resolutions to expel them after they joined with protesters in the gallery, taking to the House floor to demand action on gun reform uh, last week. And this is unprecedented. This Something like this, an expulsion, has not happened here in Tennessee. It has actually only happened twice since the Civil War. And this comes as we are seeing protests taking place across the country, thousands of students walking out of their classrooms. I don't know how somebody so stupid gets a job in media. I swear there, and I, I promise you, there are a lot of incredibly stupid people in media. They, they're really, they really are. Most of them, quite frankly, you do. They say, "Don't meet your heroes, don't meet your anchors, don't meet your pundits, don't meet your hosts." I promise you, there, there's nothing to write home about. But to sit there and say, "This is unprecedented, unprecedented." It's only happened twice since the Civil War. Well, then it, it therefore, by definition, is there's precedent. It's happened twice since the Civil War in Tennessee. Okay? Expulsion of members. It, it doesn't happen a lot. Okay? You could say this is uncommon, but unprecedented shows just how damn stupid you are. This is unprecedented. This has never happened since the last time it happened or the time before that. It's not happened since those times and probably some other times. Because if you if you believe the word unprecedented applies to this and then you immediately talk about the precedent, I'm not going to... I don't trust your English skills... And I sure as hell am not going to trust your Googling skills, right? Maybe I'm nitpicking. Maybe I'm just mean there. But language and the misuse of it and just the stupid use. This Honestly, this is dumb. A dumb person does this. It is ridiculous. They're joining. They want. They're demanding 
protests. They're demanding action on gun legislation. Democrats, who are in a distinct minority, meaning the Republicans have a supermajority, meaning they have two-thirds of the legislature. One might think that on the issue of anything, the majority of Tennesseans agree with the people they sent in overwhelming numbers to Tennessee's legislature, wouldn't you think? Wouldn't you think that'd be the the case? Isn't that usually how it works? The majority of people in Nashville, in the legislature, by uh, two to one, are Republicans, are pro-Second Amendment. Democrats hate guns. They want gun control. They want to strip people of their rights. They're the ones throwing a fit. Yet somehow they're saying this is what democracy looks like. No, democracy is you get 50.1% of the vote and you get your way. This is you get 67% of the vote. And still somehow Democrats demand to get their way. That's what fascism looks like. That's what communism looks like. That's... The very definition of totalitarianism, a distinct minority, wants dominion over a majority. And the idiots over at the Today Show, well, let me tell you, Hoda, there's a lot of controversy out here. No, there isn't. There are going to be hundreds, if not thousands, of protesters. Oh, wait a second. So protesting is cool again. Protesting and storming and whatever. That's cool. It's neat how that became cool again. Suddenly, various rights are afforded to American citizens that were not afforded to American citizens just a few months ago. It's weird. And you see this happen in a lot of state capitals, anywhere that Democrats are not getting their way. What do you see? You see the mob storming into the Capitol, shouting lawmakers down, causing sessions to go into recess, ceding ground to these protesters. Sooner or later... And this is going to be controversial, maybe. But sooner or later, the National Guard has to be called out in order to prevent the storming of the Capitol. And I believe that the Ashley Babbitt rule has to be applied. Does it not? Storming the Capitol, at least on the national scale, according to Democrats, is worse than 9-11. It's worse than Pearl Harbor. It's worse than anything that has ever happened. Therefore, anything anything employed to prevent that is justified shooting an unarmed woman crawling through a door justified you get a hero you get a you get a profile on 60 minutes about how awesome you are you do that therefore if it is the way of things in washington dc why would it not be the way of things in nashville tennessee in anywhere where somebody might storm a Capitol building in protest. It's absurd. I agree. But these are the rules Democrats are setting. It would be wrong to not visit those rules upon them, would it not? Would it not? Because these people genuinely do believe them not getting their way, no matter how distinct of a minority they are in the legislatures of these states, is somehow a threat to democracy. Case in point, we stay in Tennessee, that representative, state representative Justin Jones. These guys have become celebrities. They're heroes. 
Now, they have been getting tongue baths by CNN and MSNBC all week. It continued. This one, I believe, was on CNN, where Justin Jones, at Brother Jones on Twitter, was on television talking about basically how him not getting his way is a threat to democracy. Hitler couldn't have put it any better himself. I mean, they are ideologically the same. Progressives are progressives are progressives. But listen to Representative Tennessee Representative Justin Jones. Well, thank you so much for having me on today. And I think, I mean, it's morally insane that a week after a mass shooting took six precious lives in my community here in Nashville, um, my colleagues on the other side of the aisle, their first action is not to take actions to rein in this proliferation of weapons of war in our streets, but it's to expel their colleagues for standing with our constituents. And so this is not just about losing my job, it's about silencing the voices of over 70,000 people in my district. Altogether, the three of us represent over 200,000 people whose voices are being taken and silenced um, by a, a party that is, is acting like authoritarians. I mean, it's very concerning and, sh- and it represents a clear and present danger to democracy all across this nation that should trouble us all. <laughs> this silence in 70,000, this is not what democracy is. 70,000, altogether we represent 200,000. Well, uh, the population of Tennessee is 6.975 million. 6.975 million. The people were talking and screaming and whining and crying and starting fights about democracy, 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 democracy. He represents next to nothing, next to nothing in the population of Tennessee. But he's demanding that he get his way. He's demanding that he be allowed to hijack the entire legislative process. A week after a mass shooting in my community, your community, you don't represent that district where the Christian school was. It's community because it's politically convenient for you. I highly doubt that uh, Brother Jones, congressman, talks that much about the Christian school community as a member of his community. But he's trying to make it so because he's trying to make himself into a victim. This push by these Democrats has been going on long before this shooting. He has no words to condemn the trans activist Democrat who killed those innocent six people at that Christian school in his community. He instead wants to punish everybody else who didn't do it, the people who probably don't vote for him. I mean, he represents 70,000 people. He and his other two colleagues who are facing expulsion, they represent 200,000 people. Well, that's almost a full percentage point of the people of Tennessee. My God, let's all just bow down to their will and their whims. Beginning to see how they fundamentally, I think it started out that they, they knew they were lying when they were crying about democracy. But I suspect that a number of these people, so many of these people, are so damn stupid that they believe that what they are seeking to force on a majority that is unambiguous in their desire not to have it is somehow democracy. I think they really genuinely are believing that. They think this is, this is what democracy looks like. If you put Cuba out there, without telling you that it's Cuba or the Soviet Union or Nazi Germany or China. You throw this out there, 
Cambodia under Pol Pot. You throw these out there and you say, here's the system of government. Here's what they want. Here's what. Here's how it works. And this is how they get their will. And they go, well, this is... And you just change a few things. None of the facts, just the, the, the basics. They're pushing for this instead of that. And they impose it on... And these people would go, well, that sounds great. That's exactly what needs to be done. This is what democracy looks like. Majority of people support abortion. Okay. You can't extrapolate from that. A majority of people support taxpayer-funded abortion for everybody as a means of birth control right up until the moment of birth. No. The vast majority of people look at partial birth abortion as disgusting, as murder. They want nothing to do with it, and they want it banned. But the people who scream, this is what democracy looks like, want nothing to do with that. They don't wear short sleeve shirts because they're afraid their Kermit Gosnell tattoo will show. What Kermit Gosnell did to those babies is what they would love to do to you, to the Constitution, to the very concept of democracy. I say, you used to think these people weren't our enemies. They're just our opponents. No. They're the enemy. Make no mistake about it. All right, that is enough for today. Probably too much for today and enough for this week. Ladies and gentlemen, go out and have yourself a wonderful Easter. The Week in F and Review will be up at midnight tonight at patreon.com slash Podcast or derekhunter.locals.com. It may be an Easter-themed rant. You never know. You never know. I don't know what the hell I'm going to talk about until I start doing it. So there you go. But it will be fun, angry and filthy. So that trifecta, you really can't lose. I appreciate the use of your ears this week. We'll be back on Monday to do it all over again, one way or another anyway. But uh, check out patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast. Do it, please. Come on. For Easter, for the love of crying out loud, go and uh, support the show. Eat some ham, some lamb, or whatever it is that you guys have on uh, Easter, and I'll see you on Monday.